Welcome to the Project Zion podcast. This podcast explores the unique spiritual and theological gifts Community of Christ offers for today's world. Hello and welcome to Project Zion podcast for our series today, Holy Ground, where we explore spirituality and the integration of spiritual practices in our journey of life and faith. This is Robin Linkhart, and I'm your host today here with Molly Linkhart. Molly is a native of Colorado, a graduate of Graceland University, and a lover of cats and yoga. Welcome, Molly. Hello. Thanks for being with us today. Molly, how about you just kind of introduce yourself to us, give us a little background about your faith journey, how you grew up, just a little of this and that. All right. Well, I was born into the Community of Christ Church, and I loved growing up in the Community of Christ Church. We, I experienced a lot of connectedness in my community. I was very active all the way up until shortly after I graduated from Graceland. I got a minor in religion. I did several sermons at my local congregation. I taught the adult class in Longmont, and then when I moved to Kansas City, I taught the adult class at the Olathe Congregation for about a year as well. So Molly, tell us a little bit more about your growing up years. What was the congregation like in Longmont? What did you do as a kid? Did you participate in in any of the camping programs or youth activities? Oh yes, I was extremely active. I participated in worship services fairly regularly doing you know, readings and candle lightings. And then, of course, I always went to family reunions every year with my family. And then later, you know, I always went to junior high camp, senior high camp, Spectacular, and IYF. How would you characterize your congregation? What was the size of the congregation, and how many kids did you have there? It was fairly large. I think we had about 50 attending regularly maybe well 30 to 50 attending regularly growing up we had a good amount of kids it was pretty well-rounded I would say although we did have some lacking with young adults probably okay so you mentioned that you went to Graceland tell us a little bit about your time at Graceland time at Grace. It was very good. (laughs) Um, I had excellent professors for my religion program. I got, my degree was in psychology, but as far as religion goes, I had very strong professors who actually really played a huge part in starting to shape my, my spirituality and really honing in on challenging what I believed in and why I believed it and really starting to Think about why you believe what you believe. Why do you do what you do? They didn't really care what you believed or what you felt like was important, but really wanting you to hone in on the why and challenging it, which was very difficult and very uncomfortable at times because you really start to find that you have a lot of discrepancies and conflicting things about what you do and say and what you believe. And so you really have to start to challenge yourself and dig deep about 
finding consistency about what you believe and how that relates to who you are and what you stand for. How did you first encounter or begin to really experience and maybe experiment a little bit with spiritual practices and spirituality in general? That probably started when I, after I graduated from Graceland, I decided that I wanted to have my evangelist blessing, which was done by Charmaine Cheval Smith. And in preparing for that big ceremony, I started doing a lot of yoga and meditating. And that started with meditating every night before I went to bed in the last few months of my senior year at Graceland. And then I was spending about two weeks at my grandparents' house in Mountain View, Missouri. And I made space for myself every day to do yoga and really just connect with the divine. And I ended my practice um, of, you know, the movements and the poses with a meditation. And every day I practiced clearing my mind and making space for the divine to come in. And it was really around that time that I started realizing that there was so much spiritual work that went on outside of going to church, actually going to organized events. And I really found that I had a deep connection that could be honed through making space and making quiet space for the divine to exist. And around that time, I also was spending a lot of time outside and really starting to connect with the earth. And that was a part of that piece as well, which I'll get in more to later. So how long did you spend in preparation with uh, Charmaine as you prepared for your evangelist blessing? I spent a couple months, I would say probably about two months. I want to say I met with her a couple times at Graceland before she came out to Mountain View to to do the blessing. And so I started, you know, practicing meditating in those few months, but the, those two weeks really leading up to the blessing itself, I really was doing a lot of work opening up my connection with the divine and preparing myself to receive that blessing. So for those of our listeners that aren't familiar with the sacrament of the evangelist blessing that community of Christ offers, that is open to anyone, a friend or member of the church. And it entails um, identifying an evangelist that will serve as the voice for your evangelist blessing. And both they and you enter a time of preparation which includes the things that Molly has described of meeting with your evangelist in person or um, by computer or phone to um, spend time together in preparation. I really appreciated what you're sharing, Molly, about having a very focused two-week period of time when you knew you had invited Charmaine to, to come to Mountain View and to give you that blessing I you did it outside is that right yes we did do it outside my grandparents live on about an acre of land and they have a, tons of garden space and trees and flowers and you know a vegetable garden and I just really always felt growing up that that was where I felt the most connected with 
a divine presence. And since I was going to be there and it wasn't too, too far away from independence, I just really thought that would be a beautiful place to have that blessing done. It sounds like that two-week time of preparation was not only very important for you as you prepared to receive your evangelist blessing, but it sounds like it was a big point on your journey of exploring spiritual practices in general. It was. I had, the day of my blessing, I actually had one of the most powerful experiences because I'd been practicing meditating every day. It's very hard practice meditation. And so by the last day of practicing this for several months and then focusing every day for two weeks, I had this really beautiful experience that was very powerful and was um, just really special and really prepared me to receive that blessing. So um, tell us a little bit more about how you continued to explore different spiritual practices after your evangelist blessing. And maybe um, talk about what practice do you use to best connect with the divine and how do you find that helpful to you now? So as I've grown up and gotten older and had time to discover what I feel like really feeds my soul and connects me with a divine presence, I have learned a few things. So one thing that I really learned is that getting in touch with your body is really important. A lot of times in our modern day, we can get really up in our heads and we don't make a lot of time to connect with our bodies. And so two things I really love doing, yoga, which I mentioned, but I also really love to box. And it really helps me connect with how my body's feeling, how it's moving, finding my power, especially as a young woman. I think it's so important to get in touch with your power and not even necessarily your physical power, but your intrinsic power. And connecting with your body is a really great way to do that and bringing that divine connection kind of almost down through all the way through your entire body and not just in your head. Another thing I like to do is to find ways to actually connect with the earth, the earth itself, really getting rooted. We are people of the earth. Without the earth, we cannot survive. And again, in this modern culture, we tend to focus on all these different materialistic things and we can kind of forget, you know, that we are pilgrim people. We are people of this earth. And even um, doing things like eating vegetarian, especially right now in the Lenten season, I try to actually eat more vegetarian, um, which seems kind of silly, but it's like you're really eating from the planet, what the planet gives us, our life-giving source. And for me, that's where the divine lives. And so it really actually makes me feel more connected with the divine just in those practices day to day. Do you have a particular practice that you use now that uh, is helpful for you? I really try to spend at least one moment a day finding something, anything that's not human made that I can connect with. And that might sound kind of silly at first, but once I started doing it, I really felt like it was spiritual for me. 
really taking time every day to look at something that this planet gave to us, that this planet offers us. Because, like I said, without the planet, we cannot survive as a people. And we can be very destructive as, as the human body. And coming back to Earth, to you know, thinking about being rooted in the ground is so important. So I take at least one minute a day to really identify something and just make space for it, to really appreciate it and think about how beautiful it is and how powerful it is that, you know, this, the, like the mountains themselves, we're so blessed here in Colorado. And how often do we pass by these things and not really think about them? But they are life-giving sources. So that's something I do every day to really connect with the divine and with this earth. Just listening to you talk, it sounds to me like that is a daily practice that people could integrate into their lives no matter what they do in their lives every day. Um, it sounds like maybe even as you're driving in your car, oh, you, most could, you could do that. Yes, I have about a 45-minute commute every day, but it actually is a beautiful drive, and it gives a great view of the Front Range. And I just really try to make sure to appreciate something beautiful on that drive. Or every afternoon, I take a break and I take a walk with some of my coworkers, and it's nice to get away from the office, but it's also a great way to appreciate some of our natural surroundings. So we have, uh, a lot of us are just beginning to explore different spiritual practices. Some of us have participated in different spiritual practices over the years, but perhaps want to reconnect or try something new. And of course, you mentioned we are indeed right in the middle of the season of Lent, where sometimes we um, fast or we stop um doing something in our lives that we usually do. For example, one year I gave up all carbonated beverages. Um, some people give up sweets. Uh, some people put something in their life instead of taking it away. Mm -hmm. So focusing on a particular spiritual practice during that time. So for those of us that are just starting with spiritual practices or reintroducing spiritual practices, what tips might you have for us? I would say really focusing on what you feel like you need in your life. So that could kind of help you decide if you need to add in something or take away something. But trying to identify what in your life actually enriches it and brings something to your connection with other people or your connection with yourself or a connection with the divine. So what I'm hearing you say is that it's really important to connect with your authentic self, who, who you are, and maybe um, explore what your spiritual type is. Most definitely. I know some people 
have a really hard time with meditation or sitting in the quiet and keeping their body still. Um, so to understand that there are spiritual formations that might even be boxing where mm-hmm. you're very active and getting in touch with your inner body is something that could connect with someone that's more kinesthetic and needs that motion to really integrate a connection between spirit and body and, and God's presence. How does exercising a spiritual practice in your life every day, how does that change your day? Well, it definitely gets me more focused. It helps me get more grounded. Um, It calms my anxiety, for sure. I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with, and that's becoming a little more known. But it also helps me think about what's the most important thing in life. So for me, these practices help me get grounded. It calms my anxiety, which is something that I think we all struggle with on some level, and a lot of people do. And it helps me think about what the most important thing is in my life. And it reminds me that the most important thing is what I think of myself. And that is a mantra I've been carrying with me a lot over the past couple months. And I think that can actually really help serve with your body image and thinking about, you know, what our body is really meant to look like. How is it supposed to function? Um, What is your worth and value? And getting into challenging what we are told that we have to, you know, look a certain way or eat a certain way and so I try to challenge those things and say, why? Who decided that? Who gets to decide what's beautiful or what's worthwhile? So really digging into what is the most important thing and getting down to what actually feeds my soul and makes me feel good and not what somebody else decided was the most important thing or what gave me worth and value. That's so important, Molly. I really appreciate you recognizing and lifting up how much culture presses in against us and um, constant barrage of messages that tell us we're not good enough in and of ourselves. And in the context of community of Christ and an understanding of a God with boundless love and grace where all are of worth, the worth of all persons, it it's still even though we believe those things it can be difficult to to peel apart those messages that we've heard all of our lives all around us and get to what matters most of understanding God's love and the nature of that love and that we are acceptable and worthy just as we are um and how important spiritual practices are to bring that into our life in a way that we can hear with our soul and experience some sense of healing. Um, can you say a little bit more about body image and maybe some of your experiences related to that? It sounds like that's been a journey of healing for you as well. Oh, very much so. I think everybody struggles with it on some level, especially females, but one of the things I found that was helpful was actually observing other people's body types. And 
you know, it can be a little uncomfortable and obviously I try not to stare or anything, but actually starting to look at what real people look like because we can get so fixated with and bombarded with all these images that we get on TV and in magazines and we get so out of touch with what we naturally look like and it starts turning into this negative energy and we should ourselves, you know, I should do this. I should look like that when, you know, you are perfect just as you are. There is who gets to decide what you should look like. You should be healthy. And what does health look like? It looks like making yourself happy, you know, making space to do what you enjoy And that doesn't have to look any one way. And so I try to look at what real people look like in my society. And that really helped me accept that my body is perfect just as it is. That we all come in different shapes and sizes, just like the earth. Organic shapes, they're not uniform. They are just as they are. They grow like they should grow. And just getting in touch with that there are so many different ways that we can appear and no one way is wrong. And that we can accept all of these different ways. And so instead of shooting on yourself because we're told that we should do this and we should do that. And we should look like this model in this magazine. Start making space for... For yourself and saying, you know, I look like this and that's great. And accepting that that is normal and reframing what is normal and what is healthy. How have your spiritual practices helped you accept and and love yourself um, and your body? I think that has really got me in touch with what is worth and value Um, you know, we are inherently born with worth and value. And so often in our society, we start to be told what worth and value looks like. And it's completely wrong. We're, you know, a lot of times we send these messages that our worth and value is located in what we look like, what we dress like, how much money we make. And that is just does not exist in my divine relationship. So when I started to get more in touch with that relationship and growing that relationship, you really start to get more in tune with worth and value and that it is given to all people and that extends to your body and that your body is meant to carry you through this life and it doesn't need to have any other expectations other than that. And just trying to let go of all this other pressure that's muddling your gifts and talents and your relationship with the divine and what you really have to offer. You mentioned earlier about how body images tend to be um, particularly difficult for women in our world today, which brings me to wondering how you think of God, how you image God uh, in the context of being female and understanding the nature of God 
as not being um, male only, that the image of God integrates gender and the continuum of gender. What kind of images come into your mind as as you dwell with God in your meditations and practices? Well, that took a long time for me to figure out. And it all started with Dr. Priscilla Eppinger at Grayson University. I took a feminist theology class with her, which was the most valuable course I took in my college education. It really pushed me and it really opened up my mind and totally broke down all of these boxes and parameters that I had put for religious imagery. And while I left that course not really sure what it looked like, it did break down those barriers and opened up a field for me to start building new images in. So over several years, I definitely decided that I didn't think, I didn't feel like the image of God as a man was what worked for me. But when you're grown up using he, him pronouns, it's really hard to shake that and it's going to take a while. But over several years, that was able to fall away. And I usually don't use gender specific pronouns when I talk about the divine. But for me, my image of the divine, when I meditate or I'm connecting, is a woman. It's a female. And for me, it's a very dark-skinned female with very dark hair and these vibrant blue eyes. And that was an image that came to me during one of my meditational practices. It was very powerful. Um, But that's what it is for me. I'm not saying that that's what it should be for anyone else. But for me, that's what came to me. And I just latched onto it. It fit. And it felt like this divine image, again, from the earth. It connected me to the earth, to our life-giving source. And it felt so much more connecting than this male figure on a throne that I had been given for so many years. So we have touched a little bit on the fact that there are lots and lots of different kinds of spiritual practices. What are some spiritual practices that that you find most challenging for you, and, and why might that be? I have a harder time in groups. That's probably just because I haven't found a group yet that I feel like um, connects to the divine in the same way that I do just because I'm still kind of in a transitional period and the way I connect to the divine is a bit unconventional. Um, And while I have mentioned meditating several times, I just want to accentuate that that's a very, very difficult practice to master. And depending on, you know, day-to-day stress and demands, I might have more or less time to make time for that. And For anybody who wants to start trying to meditate, I always say just do your best because it is extremely difficult to make space in your mind and and to quiet the mind. But it's one of the most rewarding practices, spiritual practices for me. But it it does take a lot of time and they call it a practice for a reason. (laughs) 
Have you done spiritual practices with a group before? Is that anything that um, that you experienced when you were at Graceland or maybe in camps or reunions? Almost definitely. When I was growing up and going to those events, um, group events, I felt very connected at that time. Those were wonderful resources for me. Um, now I have done group yoga classes mm-hmm. a couple times and those actually were very rewarding for me. It's really cool, especially if, if everybody's moving through a yoga flow at the same time and you can actually synchronize your breath. It's really, really, it's just a really cool experience to hear a whole body of people moving their breath in and out at the same time and you really get that connectedness and that um, feeling part of this collective people this people of the earth and if you can find a group where you can really feel that it is extremely rewarding i've heard it said that hymnody singing hymns together in uh, our congregations and uh, in world conference which is coming up in a few weeks, that hymnody actually beyond just the ministry of the song and singing together, which is in and of itself a practice, that it also builds in this rhythmic breath as we breathe on the phrases of singing together. And I think it, it echoes what you're saying about oh, yes. your experience with yoga, that that breathing together physically as a body in the same space becomes uh a spiritual experience, a spiritual practice of community breath. And in that way, it becomes a vehicle of blessings of community. Um, and, and I love that you brought in the breathing aspect of practices and how in a group that can be a very unifying and most powerful experience. Most definitely. One of the most powerful stories or things I really learned about in my religion minor was the term Yahweh, and that it was literally supposed to sound like breath when you said it. It was the breath of life. And so I still connect with that. And so being able to breathe as a a group always reminds me of that. And it's almost like you can feel the spirit of God moving in and out of that group. Mm -hmm. Molly, is there anything else that you would like to share today that perhaps I didn't ask you about that you would like to touch on? Um, Well, one of the things I did want to touch on with talking about spiritual practices, um, especially when it comes to connecting to the earth, I just can't emphasize enough how important I think it is as a person and as a group of people that we remember how important this planet really is. And Sometimes it can be really hard to connect to the planet, especially maybe if you don't like the outdoors, (laughs) which is perfectly fine. But our planet is so important. And so one of the things I like to tell people is think about like the different elements that really speak to you, earth, wind, fire, and water, and finding one that really speaks to you. So for me, air is one of the most the biggest element that I can connect to. So I really love to find places where I can actually feel the wind moving or the air moving. Mm. That really makes me feel connected to God. Some people, it might be something else. Um, Or even smells, certain smells out in nature. 
this is a little bit odd, but I really love the smell of rocks. <laughs> so I love when you go out for like a hike, you can almost smell the rocks all around you. And I just, it just makes me feel so close to the earth and to God and uh, really helps me feel grounded, almost literally and rooted. And the other thing I, I always want to tell people is to remember to not set expectations or shoulds for yourself. Like you said, building a relationship with yourself and finding your true, authentic, genuine self, I think is one of the most important places to start in a spiritual practice. Identifying, identifying your needs, your desires, what you need in your life, what you desire from your relationship with the divine. And identifying those things will help begin your journey. And noticing maybe what you need to bring in to help set the stage for that spiritual practice. Like I said, with elements, um, maybe items. I've had it said that maybe even building an altar can actually be really helpful. It sounds kind of archaic maybe, but it actually can be really helpful in that process. And finding something um, you feel connected to. Maybe it's a mantra. Like I said, for me, telling myself the most important thing to me is what I think of myself. At the end of the day, what I think of myself is more important than what anyone else thinks of me. And I'm more, I'm a better person when I think that way. I'm not um, acting in a way that's not me or trying to fit in with a group, but I'm actually paying attention to what I feel like is comfortable. And when you find that place, you will really start to grow and identify what your journey looks like. You've said a lot of really important things. One of the things that stuck out to me was your mention of elements of the earth and finding an element that you connect with. For me, water has always been a very... uh, comforting presence, uh, swimming or touching water, being in water, um, being in rain or even snow. And also vegetation. One of our old homes we lived in, we had a giant lilac bush out to one side. And every spring when it was in full bloom, I would go outside and just step into the bush and hug the bush and since I was stepping into it its branches were surrounding me and it was it was like sharing a hug with mother nature sharing a hug with god the mother yes. and feeling these branches um literally embrace me and to breathe in the heavenly scent of lilacs which which yes. I dearly love um Very good. Very important. Thank you so much. Molly, do you have any resources, books, any suggestions for our listeners who maybe want to go a little deeper or do a little research that could help us out on our journey of spirituality and faith? Most definitely. There is a really powerful documentary on Netflix that was recommended to me by someone very important in my life, and it's called Embrace. And it's about an Australian woman who really struggles with her body image. And it starts with her path of becoming a mother 
and giving birth and how that, of course, totally disfigures your body um, into a, a very new way. And that was very difficult for her. So then she goes on this journey of entering into like a bodybuilding competition and finding that that still didn't feed her soul. You know, she reached this pinnacle of, you know, what we should look like. And it still felt empty and she still got criticism from people. And so she goes on this journey of showing us what you know, what our bodies are meant to look like, and then that's okay. And it's just a really, really powerful documentary. And I really recommend it to anybody, male or female. I think it's a beautiful picture of getting in touch with body image issues and learning to accept your body. And I even recommend watching it a couple times if you can. And the next one is... Feminist Theology from a Third World Reader, and it's edited by Ursula King. I was introduced to this book by, again, Dr. Priscilla Eppinger in my Feminist Theology class with her. This was a very powerful textbook for me, and it doesn't really read quite like a textbook because, I mean, as the title suggests, they are... um, kind of like short stories by third world readers. And it really helped me also get in touch with a lot of feminist issues across the entire globe. And it helped me understand more about female issues and um, just dig deeper into my theology. And it's just a wonderful read. Again, male or female, I think it's a wonderful book. All right. Thank you so much, Molly. We really appreciate you making time in your busy life to chat with us today about spirituality and faith and how spiritual practices can be a very important part of our life and our journey of getting to know ourselves and our God. Listeners, As always, thank you for being with us today. If you want to hear more about spirituality and spiritual practices, check out our other episodes on Holy Grounds. This is your host, Robin Linkhart, and you are listening to Project Zion Podcast. Go out and make the world a better place. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Project Zion Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use. And while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion Podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines. Dave Hines